Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. You can find me coming through your earbuds right now. Big, absolutely huge, monumental college football weekend ahead. But I need to introduce my co-host, my partner, Pipeline Mike, Mike DeVoe. How are we doing? I'm doing good, man. We have a lot to talk about today. The college football playoff top 25 was released yesterday, and uh, it leaves a lot of a lot of questions to be answered for a lot of people. A lot of a lot of things to be desired. Um, I'll tell you what. I think the SEC got, has to be happy with uh, what's happened here in the top 25. Uh, but yeah, we, we've got a lot to talk about today. Surprise! Breaking news: SEC ranked favorably in the top 25 rankings. The thing about it is, is it's one thing, the first rankings always come out and they generate buzz. There's teams ranked where they shouldn't be. There's other teams that are slighted or left off. And of course, there's plenty of time to work things out. There's plenty of games left to kind of iron things out. But it's fun to start thinking about and to start kind of assessing where we're at. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to start off with... 21 through 25, Mike, I'll get your thoughts on certain teams and certain players and and see what we think. 21, Wake Forest, 22, NC State, 23, Oregon State, 24, Texas, 25, UCF. What do you think about NC State? Obviously, the injury to Devin Leary at quarterback has really probably lowered their ceiling quite a bit. Do you think with the true freshman backup they can hang into these playoff rankings or do you think uh, more losses are on the horizon for them well nc state takes on number 21 wake forest this upcoming weekend so personally i think that wake forest is going to knock nc state out of the rankings this weekend wake forest has a high-powered offense that nc state is going to be able to keep up with especially with freshman quarterback mj morris uh, MJ Morris, he could end up having a, an outstanding career with NC State, and I think he does have a bright future ahead of him. However, Wake Forest and Sam Harmon, there, there's no way that that NC State offense is going to be able to keep up with them. Definitely going to be tough, especially, like you said, with Hartman, A.T. Perry, guys like that. Going to put up some points for sure. Can the NC State defense, which is pretty solid, to be honest, can they keep Wake off the board? I think you're right. Loser leaves town. Loser drops out of the rankings. There they are at number 24. They're back, Mike. Texas, back in the rankings. The only three-loss team. And coincidentally, without Texas there, I'm sure this is nothing but a coincidence, without Texas in the rankings, Alabama has no wins versus the current top 25. Yeah, I I find that super interesting as well. It's it's very hard to justify Texas being in that... (laughs) Being in that top 25, it definitely feels like, you know, maybe there's a rooted interest there and 
the you know maybe the pundits want Alabama to have at least one top twenty five win. I'm not saying that Alabama's a bad team by any stretch. Of course, they're they're a top ten team, and I actually think they deserve to have the ranking that they do have, which we'll get to later on on the show. But it's really hard to justify this Texas team being ranked in the top twenty five. A three loss team, in my mind, shouldn't be sniffing the top twenty five, especially the first week. Uh, with being five and three, I believe that's Texas's record. You know, they they have a loss to Texas Tech. I know that they blew out Oklahoma, but that's not a good win this year. It's really hard to to say that that's a good win, uh, especially when Oklahoma has lost more, uh, I think, what, four times this year so far? Uh, so at this point, that's not a good win. Uh, it, it's the only thing that Texas, their only claim to fame this year, at least in my mind, is playing Alabama close. For me, it's it's really hard to justify that ranking. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree. I do also think this. Texas has the schedule. They have enough big win opportunities on the back half to not only maintain that ranking, but shoot up these rankings. We could get our answer quickly because I think they still have Kansas State. I think they might have TCU still. Yeah, they they play Kansas State this upcoming weekend. Yeah, Yeah. so I think TCU is also in there. Opportunities, but also opportunities to add some losses. The thing for me is they played Alabama so well. Quinn Ewers goes out. Still, Hudson Card comes in, does okay. I know this is weeks and weeks ago. But when Quinn Ewers came back, I thought it was going to be kind of that gangbuster offense that they seemingly were putting together before he got injured, and then they really haven't met that. Now, they've added a win, but they've also added some losses. So, I don't know. Like I said at the beginning of the show, there's time to work this stuff out, so I'm not too worried about it. And then coming in at 25, I got UCF, uh, one of two G5 teams. Gus Malzahn seemingly flying under the radar, gone to UCF. They didn't blow up when he first got there, but he seems like he's gotten things clicking. John Reese Plumley at quarterback, and the Knights are in the rankings. We'll see if they can they can move up. Jason, I, I have to, to uh, touch on John Reese Plumley real quick. I think he's one of the more fun college football players in, in the whole in all the land of college football. I think he's one of the more fun players to watch. He was a, he's a transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, he was an outstanding baseball player there as well. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he, I'm not sure if he's playing baseball at UCF, but he's a guy who can, who can pretty much do it all. He's, he's one of those guys where he's the, he's the quarterback, but he's also the running back. He's probably a kicker too. Uh, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see him with a headset on uh, <laughs> coaching the defense as well. He's, he's definitely one of those guys that's really exciting to watch. So uh, I just I had to touch on that before we moved on from uh, the, this, this portion of the top 25. But he's, uh, he's definitely an electric player. John Reese Plumley, the white Deion Sanders, if you will. <laughs> um, my favorite John Reese Plumley story this year I read a few weeks ago is I can't remember which game it was, but he intentionally put on a jersey that was too small. He wanted his jersey smaller that week to make himself seem even bigger, I guess, to make his... I don't know why. I've never heard of any player doing this, but I guess to kind of make his muscles seem bigger? I'm not really sure. But then halfway through the game, he couldn't breathe because the shirt was so tight. So he, 
he had to switch well, jerseys but <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's funny there there were probably a few instagram models there at the game that he, he wanted to impress so uh i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> it's all about the content it's always about the content so like let's move on to the next five 16 illinois 17 unc 18 oklahoma state 19 tulane and 20 syracuse Two ACC teams here in 16 through 20. We've already had two in the first five. Now we have our second two. Yeah, this is uh, this is very interesting to me. I, you know, North Carolina is the the lowest ranked seven and one uh, P5 team. Uh, I, I think deservedly so. Uh, their defense has been absolutely atrocious. But I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Drake May, who. By right now is playing like the best player in college football in my mind. Uh, it, it's really hard to to when it's really hard to not bring up his name right now uh, when you're talking about Heisman. So that's just that kind of gives you a glimpse of of how he's playing and what kind of level he's playing at right now. Uh, I believe I heard his adjusted throwing percentage, uh, his, his adjusted completion percentage uh, when he's not under pressure is 95%, and his adjusted completion percentage when he's under pressure is 70%. If That accounts for drops, penalties, and other things. So that just kind of gives you an idea of what level he's playing at right now, and North Carolina needs every single bit of that. You know, and b- before I before I pass it over, I also want to talk about Illinois, the other one loss team, the other one loss P five team in this set. Uh, Tommy DeVito has looked absolutely fantastic as well. Uh, Illinois is, uh, it, I mean, I'm sure they're just happy to be there, but I, it's another team that I'm very excited about in this this top twenty five. So a couple of notes here. Mike's going to be too modest to mention that he called the Drake May situation, called Drake May one of the best players in the country. I want to say after week two or three, so he's not going to toot his own horn. I'll toot his own horn for him. And you're right. Drake May has been unbelievable. I absolutely love Josh Downs, a wide receiver for UNC. He is just so fluid and just his route running. I just, every time I see him, I'm like, this guy is absolutely cut out for Sundays. I'm sure we'll see that in the future. I'm with you. Brett Bielema for Illinois comes in. I wonder what their, I'd have to look it up. I wonder what their over-under total was. But I know I know people weren't expecting them to be 7-1. and one, And we're literally talking about a, a, a flub against Indiana from Illinois being 8-0. Yeah. Looks like they're going to be playing in the Big Ten Championships game unless something goes horribly, horribly wrong. But talking about Tommy DeVito, the forgotten man, the guy who looked like a hot circle of garbage at Syracuse, how about this, Mike? Stat of the year. If the season ended right now, and we didn't play any other games, of course the season's not ending right now, but let's, this just tells you where his performance has been. Tommy DeVito would have the 23rd best completion percentage in NCAA history. My wow. head fell off when I read, saw that the other day because we just think back to what it was like with Syracuse and he was just the line was terrible, and he was running for his life and throwing interceptions that would make Aaron Brooks blush. Illinois, Chase Brown leading the country in rushing. Just a, what a story. And dare I say, what if they what if they get the Big Ten Championship game and knock off either Ohio State or Michigan? That would really be something. It would, we would really have a story on our hands. Yeah, Jason, I completely agree there. I, I, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if – 
North Carolina and Illinois each have reached their their win total, their over-under for their win total this year. I think North Carolina's is around seven and a half. Wouldn't surprise me if Illinois was even less than that. So, great point. I think they both of these teams have well exceeded their expectations, at least at this point in the year. Yeah, especially according to Vegas. Number 19, Tulane, plucky team. Not many people are talking about, although I did see a tweet that said, give us an LSU-Tulane bowl game. That would be unbelievable, but we'll get to LSU in a little bit. <laughs> Tulane 7-1, and one, the second and last G5 team in the rankings. They're at number 19, which is pretty good. Tulane obviously being led by quarterback Michael Pratt. Over 1,700 yards passing, really taking the reins for the green wave and leading them to that 7-1 and one record. Ty J. Spears at running back, 588 yards, nine touchdowns. Just a good story. And they are going to play UCF. We've already mentioned them. They are going to play them at home in two weeks. And they have SMU, but they end the year at Cincinnati. Will be a very tough game. Can they get past a Bearcat crowd that I'm sure will be out for blood to try and salvage their season. Yeah, Jason, this Tulane team is a, a three-point loss to Southern Miss away from being undefeated right now. Uh, Tulane beat Kansas State this year. Kansas State has looked absolutely fantastic with Adrian Martinez. And, uh, you know, that, that right there is a statement win for teams, for P5 teams this year. Uh, that right there is a great win for a P5 team. So, the fact that we're talking about Tulane at this point in the year, they've already exceeded their expectations. At this point, like you said, that UCF game, that's the only game on, on their schedule right now that uh, they they might lose. I, I mean, they might not be favored to win is what I'm really trying to say. At the beginning of the year, we all would have thought that Cincinnati to end the year probably would have been the game that they would have circled. Uh, but Cincinnati really hasn't impressed this year. They've been... They've quite underperformed based on what we all expected from them at the beginning of the year. So, you know, kudos to Tulane. And I, it's it's hard not to root for a team like this. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how they, have, they finish the year and hopefully they finish it strong. And talking about Tulane beating Kansas State leads us in a perfect segue to our next five. Number 11, Ole Miss. Number 12, UCLA. Number 13, Kansas State. Six and two, yet six spots ahead of Tulane. If only there were a way we could figure out which two teams were better between Kansas State and Tulane. I guess we'll never know. 14, Utah. 15, Penn State. Obviously, Penn State leading Ohio State last week before kind of getting blown out in the end. And the Nittany Lions are sort of starting their descent down the rankings. Not really where you want to be. Well, out of these five, Mike, where do you want to start? Well, I'm going to go ahead and start with UCLA here. For me, I find them, I find this ranking for them quite interesting because USC, and we'll, we'll get to USC in just a bit, is ranked two spots ahead of them. And right now, UCLA actually has more impressive wins on their resume than USC does. Uh, so I can only imagine that, that Bruins fans are, are probably... Uh, very angry uh, when they saw USC come, when they saw USC's name ahead of theirs on um, on the top twenty five list. Uh, not only is it your rival, but I, 
for me, it's very hard to to put USC ahead of UCLA at this point. I know we'll find out in three weeks. Uh, they'll play each other, so they'll have a chance to to prove themselves and and uh, and settle it at that point. But if you're really going to go into the rankings and and base base the rankings off of their wins and their resume, I mean, man, it's it's really hard to put USC ahead of the Bruins here, especially when they, they have a, com- a common opponent where UCLA beat Utah and USC lost Utah. So for me, I'm a little, it's a little uh, mind boggling or it's a little confusing as to what the committee saw there. But yeah, I, I wanted to start with UCLA. They've, they've had a fantastic year this so far and, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson has been absolutely electric. I think he's also one of the guys whose uh, his name is starting to be mentioned in uh, Heisman circles here and there. Yeah, I, they've been a very impressive team to watch. Uh, they're very much exceeding expectations as well. Uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that their rival is ranked a little bit ahead of them. So Chip Kelly's crew at UCLA putting on a great year. They're only lost at Autzen when they played the Ducks, which they did get handled by the Ducks, but it is a tough place to play. It's obviously a conference opponent. To your point, DTR actually secretly, way under the radar, kind of putting up a, a year for the ages. You know, Obviously, he's almost 2,000 yards passing, 17 touchdowns. I want to say he, when I was looking at those completion percentages and I noticed Tommy DeVito DTR was right up there. He might have been higher. He he might have been in the top twenty. I'm not sure. So really putting up a um, a stellar year. The Duke transfer Jake Bobo at wideout, 526 yards, six touchdowns. I'm sure he was happy to get out of Duke. But now of course the Blue Devils playing better, but UCLA playing much better than that. And I'm sure Bobo was happy with his decision to enter the transfer portal. So, again, Kansas State, we mentioned them uh, losing to Tulane, yet they're six spots above. They've played well. Obviously, Adrian Martinez has kind of gone there, transferred from Nebraska, and become what we always thought he was going to become at Nebraska, and that's a, a top-tier quarterback who can pass, has vision, can get things done sometimes with his legs. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn, one of the best running backs in college football at Kind of reminds me of a, um, he's like a little scat back like uh, Edwards Hilaire or Darren Sproles. Going to have a definitely a role in the NFL. One of those kind of small guys gets lost behind the line and picks up big yards or catches the ball out of the backfield. Their losses come to, obviously, the aforementioned Tulane and at TCU, which they did lose by 10, but they were in that game the whole time. But plenty of opportunities on their schedule left. Texas at Baylor, at West Virginia, and closing out with Kansas will be interesting to see if they can finish the year strong in the Big 12. Utah, 6-2, and two, came into the year dark horse college football playoff. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. They've they had some injuries. They had that tough loss to start the year at Florida. But still, right there, they're still building kind of a, a strong program. It'll be interesting to see once USC and UCLA leave the Pac-12. Will Utah kind of take over, and will it be Utah versus Oregon every year? Oregon State could have something to say with that. They're they're building something up there in Corvallis as well. And as I mentioned, Penn State kind of dropping down the rankings. 
Let's get to the top 10, Mike. Number six, you've already talked about them. They can't not be talked about. Alabama, 7-1. and one. Their one loss, obviously, the absolutely electric game versus them in Tennessee. Number seven, TCU, the lowest-ranked undefeated team that we have so far. At number seven, they're 8-0. Eight, Oregon. Oregon's really only lost this year, and it kind of looks bad because they got beat so badly, was to Georgia, first game of the year. But they've come on strong, and would you believe it, Bo Nix really does look like a Heisman contender. We've talked about it on the Fantasy Pod, Fantasy Friday podcast. It's The meme has kind of become true. You know, he, he really has gone out there and hit the reset button and really excelling in that Ducks offense. You've alluded to him at number nine, USC, and we'll, we can get into them. And then 10, the probably people's most surprising ranking was LSU at six and two, which one of those losses includes a loss to Florida State. Now, I know it was the first game of the year, but either those games count or they don't. And Florida State's not a great team. Now, they're not the sort of cellar dwellers that they've become over the last couple of years under Willie Taggart and Mike Norvell's first couple years, but they're not sniffing the top 25 rankings. And putting LSU here, it really felt like, well, they're just setting that up for an Alabama-LSU matchup this weekend. Hey, Alabama's playing a top 10 team. You know, I, I hate to be so cynical, but sometimes that's the way it seems. Yeah, Jason, I, I think we should start at number 10 and work our way down. Uh, I, I'm totally with you there. I think it's a little it's a little mind-boggling to have LSU at number 10 there. Florida State is a middle-of-the-road ACC team. I know that they have a lot of tradition, and people like to talk about them being one of the perennial programs throughout the nation, but they just haven't been that uh, for the past couple of seasons. And it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around LSU being a top-10 team. I'm not saying that they're bad, but uh, as you alluded to, just a few moments ago, either that first game counts or it doesn't, right? Uh, Florida State, they're not even in the race to be an ACC championship game. And people like to talk about how middle of the road ACC is as a whole conference, right? What is it? Is the ACC bad or is that, or was that a good loss by mm-hmm. LSU, right? I, you know, and like you said, I, I hate to be the guy, you know, with the tinfoil hat claiming all these conspiracy theories, but it does feel a lot like they're set, like they're setting up for a top 10 matchup for this upcoming weekend, LSU versus Alabama. I I understand the SEC is definitely one of the better conferences, if not the best conference, but putting LSU at number 10 is, is kind of egregious in my mind. So it'll be interesting to see how they play out the rest of the year. Uh, If, if LSU can be competitive against Alabama, if they could beat Arkansas, uh, they also have UAB on their schedule, Texas A&M to end the year. It'll be very interesting to see what happens from here on out. I hate being that guy, you know, trying to call call other people out, but it's it's really that one I think is striking anger in a lot of fan bases because that one just doesn't really make sense. Well, I actually love being that guy calling people out, and I love wearing a tinfoil hat. So the perfect compliment, i am got my tinfoil hat on, and to me this reeks of SEC favoritism, Mike. 
We have you put them at number ten. You play them at Alabama this week. One of two things happens: Alabama wins, and now they have a top ten win, or LSU wins, and the committee says, "See, we were right." So it's kind of a win-win for the SEC. I hate it. I know some people say, "Well, twelve-team playoff will fix this." I don't care. I don't want a twelve-team playoff. But that's another discussion for another day. Jason, let me let me touch on a point right there. So what you just said, oh, a 12-team playoff would fix it. Or Some people say that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, people right now are talking about possibly three SEC teams getting to this four-team playoff. So <laughs> if you – and that's, that's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that is absolutely insane. And, you know, maybe they're just talking about it to talk about it. But you would be – you would be stupid – if you thought that expanding to a 12-team playoff wouldn't mean them saying, oh, there's going to be eight SEC teams in this playoff, <laughs> I, I, I'm totally with you. And I'll let you finish your thought there, but I, I just wanted to really touch on how great of a point that is because expanding this playoff means only more SEC teams getting in. Yeah, so obviously if you guys have followed us for any length of time, Mike and I are not SEC haters by any stretch. We love college football. We love all college football. And we just want the teams that are due and that have earned that to get there rather than, hey, I'm associated with a conference that puts a lot of players in the NFL and that a team like Alabama and now I guess maybe Georgia, maybe Tennessee that haven't quite stayed there long enough. But it's more of, you know, good by association. So if we cut it off right now and we did 12-team playoff, you'd have five SEC teams. If Texas kind of gets back, if uh, Oklahoma gets back, that's just more teams to be able to pull from. And then other SEC teams either have good wins against them or Oklahoma and Texas win and they have good wins against the SEC teams. I don't know. It's just you don't want to kill the sport over – trying to get so many teams in and then it's like well what is this the SEC tournament you know it might as that's might as well be what we call it but again we're not hating we just want the teams that deserve to be there to be there but let's move on i actually love how TCU is set up I, my curiosity mike what do you think an undefeated TCU let's say they went out and they're going to go they finish up with Texas Tech at Texas at Baylor and Iowa State at home they went out, Alabama wins out. Who do you put in the playoff between those two teams? It has to be TCU. I think at that point, TCU has one of the more impressive resumes. You know, they put together a win against Oklahoma State, uh, which is a top 25 team. They've got a win against Kansas State. They blew out Oklahoma. I know earlier I said that's not a great win, but they did blow them out. They've been taking care of business. They, who do they have ahead of them? They, they'll have to beat Texas, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They'll have to take Texas out. Uh, they also have uh, Texas Tech. They've got Iowa State. They've got Baylor as well, not necessarily in that order. Listen, I know TCU's defense has, hasn't been that great this year, but they have an absolutely electric offense. Nobody can stop them. Uh, it would be interesting to see them play an SEC team I don't think an SEC team could even stop them. So if TCU wins out, TCU makes it. How about this, though? This week, Texas at Kansas State. Texas is the favorite in that game. So if we just go by the line, they win and move up the rankings and gives TCU a chance when they play them. I know this is a lot of ifs, ands, or buts. 
but gives them a chance to add a, a ranked win on their resume just like Alabama has. All right, let's turn the page uh, to the final five. We have one Tennessee, two Ohio State, three Georgia, four Clemson, five Michigan. So we have right now one, two, three, four, five, six undefeated teams left. Tennessee and Georgia play this weekend. Obviously, we'll only have five undefeated teams after this weekend. Ohio State and Michigan play last week of the season. We'll only have four undefeated teams. If those are the four undefeated teams, Mike, do you think we get winner of Tennessee, Georgia, winner of Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, and TCU? Are you happy with those four being the final four? I would love that. That's a perfect balance of teams that have earned their way to make the playoff. I'm not going to keep harping on this SEC thing, but each of these teams, if they do win out, does have an impressive enough resume uh, to have earned their way into the playoff. Tennessee has been absolutely fantastic this year. Hendon Hooker, what a story that guy is. We've touched on him several times, and it's, it's hard not to bring him up every single podcast because this guy has just looked absolutely fantastic, and he's earned every bit of praise that he's gotten. People are going to talk about this Tennessee defense and how they absolutely, you know, uh, shut down Kentucky this past weekend. I, at some point, this Kentucky win, the, that Kentucky offense, I, I don't want to crap on Will Levis. I think he is an NFL prospect, but I think everybody jumped the gun at the beginning of the year saying he was going to be a first-round pick. I think we can all start to admit the, that at this point everybody um, but me i did not see it I, <laughs> that's I, true I, that's true jason you're right you're i was right. not high on him i didn't understand it but again i've been wrong before i you know but anyway i don't want to interrupt your point just to toot my own horn yet yeah, i just did well I, i'm sorry for looping you in <laughs> with us peasants but uh you know <laughs> but you're not everybody you're right. can be right 100 percent of the time like me but. <laughs> like you mm. yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's that Tennessee defense is a little suspect in, in my mind. Uh, they have done a, a decent job of stopping the run throughout this year, but you know, I, you just you have to love, you have to love to see it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I think seeing Tennessee at number one at this point in the year is something that we didn't expect at the beginning of the year, and they're usually the team on the outside looking in, and it's just it's beautiful to see a team like Tennessee walking the red carpet and uh, coming out as the, the number one team in the first college football playoff ranking. So kudos to the Vols, and, uh, you know, I, I, you got to love seeing that. Yeah, Vol Nation been down bad for quite a while, especially for a team with the tradition that they've had throughout the history of college football. But it's going to be a buzzsaw when they go into uh, Athens this weekend to take on Georgia. Georgia, I think 10.5-point favorite, 11.5, somewhere around there. I can't remember right offhand. Ooh. If they pull this off, because Georgia has the defense that can shut them down, Tennessee, let's say Tennessee goes in there and drops 35, 40, 45 points. I don't know how at that point they wouldn't be the favorite to win at all. I think a, a matchup between Tennessee and Ohio State in the final would be unbelievable. The overrunner would probably be 112. I couldn't imagine – betting the under on that one. That would be terrifying. <clears throat> one team we haven't really talked about, my ACC leading Clemson. You know, at the beginning of the year, like I said, I, I've never made a mistake, and I said that Clemson wouldn't make the college football playoff 
unless they started Cade Klubnik. Now, I happen to be right because Cade Klubnik came in and saved their hind parts against Syracuse. So I'm still making sure everyone knows I've never been wrong about anything. But do you think Clemson, with their resume, over, let's say, a one-loss Alabama team, do you think they have the strength of schedule to get in over that? Or do you think the committee's going to kind of err on the side of the Crimson Tide? Jason, it's very interesting that you bring this up because I'm looking at it now, and there are NC State, Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, Syracuse. So there's four other ACC teams in the top ten. NC State and North Carolina still have to play. NC State and Wake Forest play this weekend. NC State and Syracuse already played. I think Syracuse played Wake Forest already. So there's definitely a chance where these teams beat up on each other enough. Uh, And this is all assuming North Carolina makes the the ACC championship game, which anything can happen with that team, especially with their uh, 99% win percentage last year against NC State and blowing that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, last year, granted that was last year's team, but anything could happen. There's definitely a scenario where at the end of this year, Clemson doesn't have a top 25 win. Hmm. At that point, do they still make it into the playoff? I, I don't know. That, that's really, that's really, really hard to to decipher in, in my mind. I, I, I mean, if they don't have a top 25 win. And that's pretty much what these rankings pride themselves on, right? They, mm-hmm. it's the the not only the amount of wins and lack of losses that you have, but it's the amount of impressive wins that you have. Um, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, North Carolina could very well win out, and they could be playing another top ten team at the end of this year, right? And that could be a top mm-hmm. ten win. Um, so there's there's many different scenarios where Clemson's you know, with their resume, their, their resume could be at a point where they have four top 10 wins, but it could also be at the end of the year where they have zero top 10 wins. So we'll see what ends up happening there. It's going to be very interesting to keep tabs on. But assuming comes, let's say everybody leaves the top 25. Let's say it's a situation where the ACC beats up on themselves and Clemson does not have a top 25 win. At that point, I don't know. I, I don't know if you if you put Clemson in over a one loss Alabama team. Uh, another point to bring up is they played Notre Dame this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say they beat Notre Dame and then Notre Dame wins out. Notre Dame could actually be a uh, a top twenty five team by the end of the year as well. So there's just many different scenarios to play around with there. Uh, I, I mean, Clemson is taking care of business, so it's kind of hard to fault them for that, but. You're right. That's something that's something to keep tabs on, and uh, it'll be really exciting to see here moving forward. Just because I enjoy pointing out when you're wrong, Notre Dame five and three. They lose this weekend. They'll be five and four. It seems hard to imagine a scenario that they end up still ranked without the apocalypse <laughs> upon us. But stranger things have happened, I guess. Alabama this week at LSU, and then next week, Ole Miss. Those are two top 15 team teams. And them only having one loss would mean they either beat Georgia or Tennessee in the SEC championship game. I don't know. I don't know if Clemson's resume can stack up against that. But as we stated at the very beginning, there's plenty of time 
left and plenty of games left to kind of sort through all that. But it's fun to sort of just put our teeth into it a little bit, just a little bit, a little nibble. We're not going to harp on the CFP rankings every single week, but it's at least fun when they're, they first come out. There's so much controversy and stirred up, and we just kind of get an idea of where the committee's head's at. But, you know, like I said, it's just fun to talk about. I think that's going to put a bow on this episode. If you like what you hear and you want to subscribe, please do. Please leave us a five-star review. We love interacting with the fans. Like I said, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. And we'll see you guys next time on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast.